Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Now, church, remember, last week we were introduced to Solomon. And what you need to know is that we're not having Solomon over for dinner, okay? We're not having Solomon. And we don't want him at our parties. But he's very, very important, and you say, why? Because Solomon is doing an experiment. You need to understand that. Solomon is doing an experiment um, that we need to pay attention to. He's doing an experiment for us because it goes beyond our capabilities. You, you understand that. And if you weren't here last week, um, here's what's going to happen. Solomon, think about this, he is the son of David. He grew up not wanting for anything. He had the best schools, best languages. He had the best tennis shoes. He had all the latest gadgets, if you will. And now he's king of Israel. And so Solomon right now is going to use his wealth and he's going to use his power that is beyond what you and I or any of us can fathom. And you'll see pretty quickly how true this is to see if there's anything worth under the sun. And so he's going to do something very interesting. Listen, church, he's going to test all that you and I pursue. And he's going to come back, and he's going to let you know if there's any real value. You see, here's the danger. The danger of us growing up in this world is we go, Hey, if only I had money, then I could buy this, or I could buy that. Oh, if I only, well, I wanted to pursue pleasure. I want to, you know, I mean, think about, think about your, your um, hobbies. Think about your hobbies. It may be golf, and you think, man, if I just had that set of clubs, that one, that one driver that could hit, or, or, or you might be into anything, and, 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 and this is what we do. We go, man, if only I had. Ah, if only I had. This is, ugh. But what God does is so amazing and miraculous. He takes the word of God here, and, and, and Solomon is going to, he's going to say, hey, hey, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to do it for you so that you could understand there's nothing new under the sun. I'm going to do it for you. Part of his quest is for the good life. Part of his quest. King Solomon is going to examine everything um, from the sublime all the way to the ridiculous. And in the great laboratory of life, he experimented with one thing after another, always applying the wisdom that God has given him. So keep that in mind. He's not recklessly going, I'm going to go out and I'm going to party. I'm gonna, you know, what he does is he goes, okay, I'm going to pursue and then I'll get back to you. You see, in chapter 2, guys, in chapter 2, we discover that Solomon has recorded, if you will, jot this down, three stages in his experiment. And what he's really doing, I want you to think about this, is he really is saying, uh, is this, does this really bring satisfaction? Does this really bring, am I satisfied with these things? And he's going to focus on three that, that God gives them, but, but let's go back just a little bit because if you weren't here last week, I want to recap so that everyone's on the same page. 
Think about this. We started out our Bible study last week with a question. We like to start out with a question because it gets you thinking. You go, well, Ben, what's the question? Well, the first one is, and you got to just, you just got to ask this, am I satisfied? Am I satisfied in life? Am I satisfied? Now, again, there are moments in our lives where we're happy. Can I get an amen? There are moments where we have circumstances and we're like, yeah, that was great. But, but overall, some people might even ask you, and I've seen this uh, trend throughout the social media, are you happy? Are you happy? Well, really, are you satisfied? This is, this is what question we need to ask. Now listen, most people, if we're being honest in church tonight, um, they find themselves unsatisfied in the things of life. Not happy in my marriage, not happy at my job, I'm unsatisfied, I'm unfulfilled, I don't know what's going on. But because we're human, we just keep going through the same things. Oh, I wish, and I'd hoped. Our, our assumption is, to be honest, dissatisfaction is really just part of the human condition. Well, it's just life. It's just life. But I love that that's why God gave us the book of Ecclesiastes. He gave it to us to remind us that satisfaction in life, it's not an external issue that can be appeased by amassing more stuff. Satisfaction in life is an internal condition of the heart. And that's where we got to get to. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that a lot of us have put up walls in front of our heart, and it's hard to get through. And so you go, no, 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 here, here, no, ben, no, no, listen, it's, it's more stuff. No, 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 satisfaction, remember, in life is not an external issue, but it's an internal issue of the heart. So what are you saying? It's time to do a heart check. It's time to do a heart check. Well, I don't want to do a heart check. Because why? Because then, it pro, it, it, we're, then we're, we're pushed for responsibility. What do I do now? This is God is revealing my heart. Remember, last week, we talked about three principles that Solomon wanted to guess. Josh, you put these up. Do you remember where they were? Uh, number one. Number one. It's going to show Bible on the first one, Josh. I will be satisfied to the extent that I see everything as a gift from God. If you didn't write that down last week, write it down today, because this really is a point. You will be satisfied in life, listen to me, church, to the extent that I see everything as a gift from God. You're going to see wealth, work, pleasure, power, friends, and even religion, if you will, as a gift from God. But you also need to know that you're going to be satisfied to the extent that you see everything a gift from God, which also includes suffering and sickness. Well, I would never look at sickness or suffering as a gift from God. That's from the devil. That's from no way. No, no, no. Think about your heart. Think about your heart. Okay? Because the first thing you need to understand, church, is we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. Way back in Genesis chapter 3, everything was fractured. Our relationship even moving forward, the world, everything was fractured. You need to understand the extents and the severity of sin. It fractured everything moving. It fractured our whole lives. We, We haven't even been complete since that day. 
And I think it breaks the heart of God when people go, ah, I just party, I just sin, I just sin. Sin is sin, you know. Or we sing songs, oh my God, look what the cat dragged in, sin, living my life, sin after sin. All of these things, and, and we don't understand the severity of what happened in Genesis chapter 3 that affected mankind all the way up until now. And so we need to understand that we live in a fallen world and that there's going to be sicknesses and there's going to be, and I hate the C word, I hate it when we have to pray for someone who has cancer. But everything is a gift from God depending on if you're going to glorify Him in it or not. Boy, I got quiet in here. Think about this for a second, you know. We often joke around, um, I think it was Mike O'Reilly who said, um, getting old is, is not good, or it was Joe Mabry. We were talking the other day, getting old. It's, but see, old age is a gift from God too, if you look at it that way. Oh, I understand that you wake up in the morning and things aren't moving, and then you have to sort of, you know, get stuff. I get it. But that really is, it really is God's grace, is it not? Because the aches and the pains that you have, all of the infirmities that you have, God would not want you to live forever that way. Could you imagine, Eva, being 110, 120, 130, with all the aches and pains you have now, just tripled? No, God goes, no, my grace is that I'm going to let the body die and bring you home. So we have to look at everything as a gift. Number two, we'll only be satisfied to the extent that I notice what's going on in the lives of others. In the lives of others. The problem is in our world, we're, we're me-centric. We're, we're all about me. We're, it's all about me. And we forget to look in the lives of others. I was talking to Tiffany today, and she's got a great job that God's going to use her to minister to little ones and little ones' families, but she has to get her eyes off herself and onto the, what's going on there. And see, that's exactly what God does. God goes, oh, oh, oh okay, here's what I'm going to do. In the body of Christ, I'm going to do something crazy. We're going to have church. We'll call it church. I'm going to bring everyone into a, into a building, and they're going to get taught the Word of God, but I've got a great plan. I'm going to take those people who are taught, and I'm going to put them out there so that I can reach my people. You see, every one of you tonight has a gift, a gift that God has given you, a gift at your job, a gift at your home, a gift in relative, whatever it might be, but to bring glory to Him. You need to realize, guys, that more than 2.6 billion people live on less than $2 a day. $2 a day. 2.6 billion in the world. We got up this morning and there was food in our fridge. There was water in our shower. There, we're, we're, we, we were blessed. If you ate more than one time a day, and I know some of us had three meals, but if you ate more than one time a day, you're rich, according to world standards. We never want to take that for granted, church, how much God has blessed us. We never want to take that. Oh, well, I deserve No, <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for my paycheck. Thank you for my boss, even though he's... But thank you that I have a job. 
Thank you that I'm physically well enough to do my job. Thank you for the strength, Lord. Thank you for the strength. We need to cultivate a satisfied heart by sharing what we have with those in need. Sharing. That's all New Testament, is it not? We're looking at Philippians. Philippians says, esteem others higher than yourself. Give. He says, don't forget about your interest, but hey, it's okay. It's okay. We only get that way, church. Listen to me. We only get that way if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We're sensitive to walk in and we're buying our groceries and the Lord knocks on our heart very gently and he says, hey, I want you to, I want you to help or I want you to whatever it might be. You might, you might want to say, listen, listen, I, I can't afford that, but God has told me that I need to buy I need to buy these for you. Whatever it might be, church, or it just might be, it might be just um, um, local charities here that really help. Whatever it is, we need to we need to cultivate a satisfied heart by sharing with those in need. And let's be permission to be honest. In church? Yes? Okay, good. Let's be careful because, because what Christians do is now the winter is going to be coming in a few months and we'll say, well, we're doing a coat drive for the young kids and we'll take all our leftovers, all our old coats, and we'll give those away and we'll buy us new coats. But how about we do something radical? We buy them new coats and we keep our old coat. Just, you, you, you see, we... Well, no, I, I worked for my coat, Raina. I worked, this is my coat, this is my... I get that. But we don't have to... I, I don't want to give the church and charities our leftovers so that we can buy new. We want a heart that goes, man, what can I do? What can I do to impact my city? What can I do? What can I do? Number three, um, I will be satisfied to the extent that I'm trusting in God during times of distress. I will be satisfied to the that I trust God during times of distress. Church, listen to me. There are going to be times you go through some, some tribulation, some issues, some spiritual warfare. There's going to be a lot of that. And what you have to do is you have to trust during those times of distress. Trust God. Lord, you got this. That's how you can sleep at night knowing that you're satisfied in the Lord. How? I just trust the Lord. Yeah. But your whole world is blowing up. I trust God. I trust God. I trust God. I love that the Bible says I've never seen the, the, the righteous forsaken. He takes care of us. And that's a good place for a big amen. He takes care of us. So last week, we saw King Solomon start the experiment. It started with wisdom and came to the conclusion that all is vanity, right? We talked about that. And you go, what does vanity mean? Well, if you weren't here last week, it means meaningless. It's meaningless. He goes, all this is meaningless. All this life is, is, is really meaningless. And, and so Solomon concluded chapter 1. He goes, there's nothing new under the sun. You see, he told us that, that, that satisfaction is not found in the trinkets of life. They're not found with toys. They're not found with all these things. Oh, man, if I only had 
if I only had. I found it interesting, me and my wife, years ago, the kids were little, both both girls were real little, and, and I, was, I was just trying to move up in the world, and I remember looking at a house, I kid you not, kid you not, we went and looked at this house, and, and man, it was everything, it had a circular driveway like I liked, it had everything, and I was like, man, and I remember going, oh Lord, I remember telling that, oh, if I only had this house, then I'd be, come on, yeah, you guys know it, if I only had, and I said that. And this was a Saturday, and next, and, and next morning we went to church, and the pastor there, he was preaching, and I don't even know what he's preaching, but he goes, and some of you say, oh, God, I'll only be happy if I had this. And I was like, that's exactly what I said. See, why? Here's why. Ready? Because people like to pretend that their life isn't meaningless. And people like to pretend that they're not in and that treadmill of life. And their life isn't stuck in this circular rut by boredom and getting trinkets and pretending those trinkets are a new idea. We like to pretend that. And he says, in the end, man, you might have more color, but it's not new. There's nothing new, Solomon says. And what he's saying here is that the trinkets and the new things are a deceptive part of the circular silliness. And I think that's why we're not having him over for dinner. Can you imagine? Solomon, bro, hey, listen, I just bought, just got this TV, 72-inch TV on the wall. Look at that, baby. And he's like, really? And then, he's, and then he gives us all this trip, and you're sitting here going, I'm going to take it back. <laughs> I'm going to take it back. You see, mankind, their thought process might be, uh-huh, buying stuff and hoping it will satisfy it is not where it's at. But maybe it's not the stuff. You see, maybe it's not the 72-inch TV. Maybe it's not the new golf club, Joe, that you can hit a hole-in-one in. Maybe it's not the stuff, but maybe it's in pleasure. Maybe it's in pleasure, church. I bet, I bet it's in pleasure. I bet it's in party. I bet that's where real joy and satisfaction comes in. Maybe it's in putting on my boogie shoes and boogie till I can't boogie no more. Maybe that's what it is. Well, if you think that way, Solomon's going to address that tonight. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 2. I've entitled the message, Living the Vida Loca. And no, I'm not going to sing it for you, okay? I asked Mel Martin to, to do a rendition, but he said no. But it's living the Vida Loca, living the crazy life, because King Solomon is going to live a crazy life, and he's going to declare the verdict, okay? So you need to pay attention. So, let's get right after it. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, And I said in my heart, Solomon writes, Come now, I will test you with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. But surely this was also vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? I searched my heart and how to gratify my flesh with wine while gilding my heart with wisdom how to lay hold of folly, still or till I might see what good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their 
lives. Okay, so what did, what did Solomon say? Here it is. He just started, guys, he just started the experiment. And so over in chapter 1, we had an overview of the experiment, and the actual experiment launches here in chapter 2. So what did he say? You ready? Here's what he said. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to test pleasure. I'm going to test pleasure. All right, I'm going to test it. I'm going to go all out. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to saturate my life with pleasure. I'm going to use all my resources, all my time, all my energy, all my creativity to consume as much pleasure as I can. And he goes even deeper. He says, listen, listen. I'm going to devote myself to pleasure. And what he does is he systematically throws the largest party in the world has ever seen. The parties. This is where it's at. That's the party. You see, Solomon's parties are a lot different than your parties. Solomon, well, he just brings in the comedians. He's got a comedian every single night. You need to understand that. He has the best food, and he's rolling out the barrels of wine. I mean, he's doing it right. He's getting after it seven days a week for an extended period of time. And no one's really sure how long this he went this way, but they know it went for an experienced period of time, and... Everybody walked away going, these parties were epic. These parties were out of control. These parties were legit, man. These were, these were the parties, man. Hey, did you get invited to Solomon's party? Yeah, I got invited. Wow, when did you go? Dude, it was, un- it was insane. Now, there's something that we have to be careful about. And you go, what's that, Pastor? We've got to be careful that through the whole series, through Ecclesiastes, is that what we do is we begin to compare ourselves to Solomon. You go, what do you mean? Well, thinking, you might go, yeah, Solomon partied, but but did he party? You know what I'm saying? Um, You know, Solomon partied, but did he partay? Like, like, you don't understand. Me back in the day, are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Solomon partied, but man, I mean, seriously. All right, let me show you what I mean. If you're close by, flip over to 1 Kings chapter 4. If not, you can just watch it on the screen. Why? Because he's going he's gonna to give us a list of what it took to throw these parties that Solomon's throwing. He's going to tell us what he needed just for one day. Just for one day. This is what he needed at these parties. 1 Kings 22 says this. Solomon's provision for one day was 30 cores of fine flour. That's 220 liters for those of you that like the metric system. 30 cores of fine flour, 60 cores of meal, 10 fat oxen, and 20 pasture-fed cattle. 100 sheep besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and Fatted fowl or chickens or little yard birds. You go, what do you mean? Listen, this is for one day. One day. You had steak filet mignon all the time. You had everything you could have. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like 
You, have you ever gone to a party where they give you finger food? And then they give you a plate this big, and you're trying to stuff it on there, and you're just, it's, it's finger, you know, it's like, what's well, finger food? You know, it's like, okay, here's a few carrots. No, no, no. He says, my parties, listen, you had, you had a plate. You had a plate. And if you wanted chicken, or if you wanted steak, I mean, he had everything, everything. You know, I mean, this is, you guys see the picture I'm trying to paint, okay? And so you have here Solomon throwing a feast that can feed, and, and I mean, here, think about this, okay, this will blow your mind. Every commentary I read gave the same number, between fifteen and 20,000 people. That was his party. Between fifteen and 20,000 people. Now, Notice where these parties took place. Look, move a little further to 1 Kings 10, chapter 10, verse 21. It says, and, and King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold. All the vessels in the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver, for this was accounted to nothing in the days of Solomon. So, so not only, I mean, listen, in your mind, you might have had a party where you brought up the Dixie Cups. You guys know what I'm talking about? The red Dixie Cups, right? And you're like, hey, make sure those go in the trash when we're done. Boy, this party was awesome. He's like, no, I used the gold vessel. Not even the silver ones, the gold ones. And we had our party in the forest. <laughs> you know, it's like 20,000 people. I mean, this is insane. Now, again, come on, let's be honest. Sometimes we have our little barbecue parties at our house, and man, it's all, it's all the rage, right? And of course, we might have 10 or 15 people. This is amazing. We had, we had, a, great, we had a great party. Solomon would mock it. He goes like, Psh. We had 15,000 people night after night. And as a matter of fact, not only did we drink from the gold vessels, you know, listen, I know at your party, I know at your party, you put on the stereo. You put on the... You, Okay, let's move up to the two. You, you had your iPod. You put it on your iPod. You had music. You know, who was your favorite band? Who's your favorite band? He goes, you know what I did? I didn't, I didn't do an iPod. I brought in the band. Night after night, we had the latest and the greatest. Okay? So, I mean, I, mean, I, just, I just think about this. I mean, I don't, know what, I don't know what's on your iPod right now, but whatever you're listening to, that band was playing. And this is how we get, right? Oh, well, the, I'll go to that party just to see the band. This is amazing. I listen to it. But listen, since we're good Christian folk, you know, we didn't have like Maroon 5 or any of those bands. We, we had the Newsboys, okay? And um, they were hanging out ready for tonight. And he threw, he threw some of the epic parties night after night after night after night after night. What's the point, guys? What's the point? He's trying to tell us, he's trying to tell you that sometimes when we, we just have this mindset of pursuing pleasure, he says, there's nothing new under the sun, and you're not going to be satisfied with that no matter what you think. And if we're honest, there are people in this world who, and, and they're really, their whole goal is to live for the weekend. Man, I live for the weekend. I just live for the week. I live for Friday. Friday night's coming. Yeah, what are you going to do? We're going out Friday night. And then I wake up Saturday morning, and I'm just like, what happened? And then I, I catch my breath, and I do it again Saturday night, and it takes me all Sunday. And guess what? We're doing it again next weekend. And they live trying to find and trying to fill their hearts with pleasure. 
And week after week, well, what happened to Solomon is he goes, man, that little weekend gig of yours, that's nothing. We had 20,000, 15,000 people night after night, the bands, the, the wine. Man, we were, this was, and I didn't find any pleasure in it. It didn't satisfy. I, no, I don't know how much bigger I could have gone. I don't know what else I could have done. There was no satisfaction. Hmm. So what happens? He eventually got tired. You know, I mean, think about him. I mean, poor Solomon, he got tired of waking up in the back of his chariot on, on his way to Mexico with a new tattoo. I mean, that's what he was tired of. And, and so he moves from there, and he moves to what? Well, I don't want to party anymore. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make something of my life. Yeah, that's it. I can find satisfaction. And listen, I'm, I'm done with all the partying. And, and I... Now, I need to make something of my life. I can't keep sleeping in until 11 and partying all night. I can't do that. So let's change. Let's change courses. Um, let's move on. So you see, life stages here. Trust me, you're going to see the life stages of how Solomon impacts and pursues pleasure. And he's going to move from the party scene, and I wanted to make something of myself. I, want to, I need to feel this. And this is what he does starting in verse 4, picking it up in verse 4. He said, I made my works great. I built myself houses, and I planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them, and I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. So he goes from, hey, I partied all night long. You know what? I was, man, we celebrate. I was like, nah, I just, I got tired of that. You know what? I need to do something. Listen, I'm going to do something constructive. I know. This will bring me satisfaction. And so he started building houses. He said he built houses. And, 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 and I wonder how many houses are how big, because here's why. It took him seven years to build the temple. It took him 14 years to build his house. So how many houses did he build? He says, I'm going to build. I'm going to build. Let's go. Hey, I can find satisfaction. I'm employing all these people. He says, and I'm going to plant, I'm going to plant vineyards. I'm going to plant vineyards. Not just a, not just a rose garden. He, he planted forests. Do you understand that? He planted forests and and uh, so, so we would ask him, hey, Solomon, yeah, uh, what are you going to do with the 900 acres? I don't know, maybe plant a forest, maybe some fruit trees, maybe some orchards. And then I'm going to dig some pools so that we can water them. Hey, Ben, what are you doing this summer? <laughs> what are you doing? Well, I'm not, I'm not planting a forest. I mean, golly, wow. I, uh, I got a little garden. Got a little garden. In my house, I had a little garden. Nathalie asked me, can you build a garden? It's a raised garden. And I said, absolutely. So we built a little garden. That garden, and so, and so I bought the boards, and then we had to enclose it because of the critters and all this stuff. And um, man, those are some of the best, most expensive cherry tomatoes I've ever had. I asked my wife, I said, hey, uh, do you think we've broke even yet? I mean, we've got some great cherry tomatoes, but I don't think they're 500. I could have bought a... 
Well, the chili's coming, so maybe the chili comes. So, so uh, Adam, you have a garden at home too, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You, there you go. What, what, there, what are you doing this summer? <laughs> Solomon's like, seriously, really? Once again, the point that God wants to to, to instill in us is is Solomon goes beyond what you and I can comprehend. Like, think about nine hundred acres. Think about forest and fruit. I mean, he's building these. In fact, if you go to Jerusalem, um, if you go to the southwest area of Jerusalem, you can come to this place where there are these giant craters in the earth, and they're still called the Pools of Solomon. They're still there. And that's what he used. That's what he dug, these these cavernous holes in the earth, and he filled them with water to, to, to water all the gardens and the national parks and everything else he built. So he begins to build houses. Why? Because he feels like satisfaction would mean I need to build and try and leave a legacy. He begins to build gardens. He begins to build things that other people can enjoy. And he builds and builds his... Think about this. He built his wives' houses. And he put his hand to the plow and he begins to, to work and make something of himself. And then he's like, Wow. He's like, I love walking through the garden. I love walking through the forest. This is amazing, but it doesn't bring satisfaction. Hey, Solomon, yeah, are you satisfied with life? No. Well, what have you tried? Man, we partied, like, like for, for months we partied, trying to just, just hit that one more high, to hit that, 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 that great feeling. And that didn't work, and I got tired of waking up, and I said, now nah, I need to make something about life. So I, I really liked how you smiled, and I really liked how you were happy when I bought you a house and built you a house, and I just, and, and, and I thought that would make me, you be, nah, you know what, and it just, it just doesn't satisfy. And so look at what he does next. Once again, this is how life progresses usually. Look at verse 7. He says, I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possession of herds, flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. And I gathered for myself silver and gold and special treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men and the musical instruments of all kind. Okay. Your attention, please. We see him leave the party scene. We, leave, we see him leave the building scene. And now, guess what? After the building scene, he's going to go into basically the life of wealth and ease. He says, okay, you know what? Listen, I realize that I have slaves of slaves, and they're born in my house, and I have servants. And he says, man... As a matter of fact, I wanted to take it so easy that I didn't want to do anything for myself. You see, right now, Solomon is like, I mean, think about how wealthy and how he's trying to find satisfaction in just taking it easy. He's like at the permanent vacation staycation where Solomon doesn't even have to get in the shower. They do it for him. Solomon, okay. What are they doing? I mean, I mean, you've got to understand what he's saying here. This is, he's like, I didn't do that. I didn't. He said, you know what? Man, I wanted life so easy, I didn't even have to chew my own food. 
No, he didn't say that. But you know what I'm saying. That's how, that's how he wanted to do. It's like they rolled him around. It's life of luxury. You know, I mean, just, just think of that. Some of you right now are thinking about dinner. Solomon would just have to go, ding, ding, and they'd bring him food. And he might take a bite and go, nah, I didn't like this. I want pizza. Nah, I don't want pizza. No, you know what? Enchiladas sound really good right now. Pastor, I know what you're doing. You're trying to make us hungry. You're exactly right. Because you remember in 1 Kings, there was a lot of flour. He made a lot of tortillas. I'm telling you right now. And uh, man, you get that tortilla hot. You put a little butter on there. Oh, it's melting. Get a little green chili going on there. Man. But he didn't have to do any of that. They brought that to him. They brought that to him. And not only when he says, I didn't really do anything. I just tried to live a life of, of wealth and ease and luxury. And not only that, but he gets into, listen church, what he's famous for. You go, what's that? Well, he gets into women. He gets into the women. Okay, so he goes, man, listen, there's a bunch of party scene. Yeah, didn't, didn't, yeah, I'm tired of that. Woke up with a hangover all the time. Yeah, that didn't satisfy. You know, building forests and vineyards and houses and fruit trees. Man, that didn't satisfy. Living a life of, oh, 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 I know what it is. It must be sex. It has to be. It has to be that pleasure of, of intimacy. That's what I'm going to pursue. That's what I'm going to pursue. And I mean, I mean, think about that. This is what he's so famous for, guys. I mean, I mean, I'm just like, wow. I don't know how he did it. Why? Because Solomon had 700 wives. 700 wives and 300 concubines. A concubine is just like a wife without the benefits. Okay, she didn't get any of the benefits. She was just there for, you guys know exactly what she was there for. So you've got over a thousand women trampling day in and day out into Solomon's room. He's looking for pleasure. This is crazy. You see, Solomon experienced in his life with uninhibited sex. Let's be honest. You see, the one thing, men and women, we need to remember, and it, it wants to get a hold of us, is that we have that same, well, listen, it, 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 it's so amazing, and sex is so good, so, but, but I only have one wife, and, and, and so I, I know what I'm going to do. I'll have several wives, but they won't really be wives. It's called the Internet, and I'll be looking at these things, trying to fulfill something that God has placed inside me. I'm trying to fulfill it in a, in a physical sense. And so that's where it, it, it brings in that addiction. Solomon in the Word of God is trying to tell us, men and women, and it's not just men, it's women nowadays as well. He's saying you won't find satisfaction there. Why? Because when God made two to come together intimately, he says, this should be a one-on-one -on -one thing because the Hebrew word is for the mingling of souls. You become one. That's why he says, you need to be married. Solomon, you're playing with fire, man. You see, sex 
for the married couple is a beautiful, it's like, it's like a beautiful fire in a fireplace on a cold winter. That be- oh, that's, that's beautiful. Get that fire outside the fireplace and it's no longer beautiful. It's disastrous. It's devastating. Well, Solomon being the king wants to prove to us that even if you had a thousand wives, if you had a thousand husbands, if you will, it's not going to satisfy. So what's he saying? He's saying, men, men, listen to me. Repent of your sin and love your wives in an intimate way, which doesn't always include sex. You're not, you're going to find satisfaction. If you're married here, it's okay to pray on the marriage bed. It's okay to pray and say, Lord, you be glorified. We have to be so careful that we don't just do to move on. Why hurry? That's not glorifying to God. Just so you're taking note, and I know I've gotten off track here, just so you're taking note, God created sex. It was his idea. He created pleasure. It's, it, it's a good thing. And you men and women who are married know it's a beautiful thing when two come together. It's beautiful. When you do it outside the bounds of marriage, guess what? That's why it's the bingling of souls. And this is why God says, please don't go out. No, I'm a player. No, no. Solomon was the player of players. And he says, it doesn't bring satisfaction. It, you're not going to top me. You're not going to top me. That's what he does. And I'm just like. And now after all of these the party, the building, the gardens. I mean, just all of that stuff, man. The, the pleasure. Listen, chew my food. I'm, you know, whatever it might be. As, as, as taking it as easy as you can. And, he's, and, and the sex. You know what he says? He says, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. I want to tell you what I found. And in the end, he says, I mean, just think about it. Think about it. He's going to talk about all of these three and he's going to impact what happened just for you and I. Okay, look at verse 9. So I became great and I excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. All my wisdom remained with me. Now, that's a pretty funny text. And you go, why? Do you know what Solomon just said here? You go, what? He says, you know what? I found out I was pretty popular. And it's like, duh, Solomon, of course you're popular. You were throwing parties every night. You were the guy. Of course. It's like, hey, did you hang with Solomon? I hang with Solomon, man. It was so cool. There's 15, 20,000 of us, but we did it again the next night, and we did it again the next night, and we get it. And then finally my wife said, come home. And I was like, no, we did it again the next night. And, and so Solomon's like, I think I got pretty popular during that time. Right? Is it not the popular guy who buys all the rounds of drinks at the bar? The buffet bar, not the, you know, just. 
And he says, he says, yeah, I mean, of course you're popular. You were throwing party every night of the week for 20,000 people. Of course you're popular, Solomon. Now, this next part is a pretty big piece because it is different on how it plays out for you and I. You go, what do you mean? Okay, so verse 9, you have to underline that last part. Also, my wisdom remained with me. You need to grasp that. Okay, we can't just read over it because then we'll be like, okay. Look, also, my wisdom remained with me. You go, Ben, what, did, what does that mean? What does that mean? Okay, okay, so you got to grasp this. Here, here's what he's saying. In everything I did to the extreme... I never forgot what I was doing. He says, I never got so caught up and so lost in seeking pleasure that I forgot what my goal was from the beginning. The goal was to see if there was any value out there. He never forgot that this was an experiment from day one. And that's the big difference for you and I. For Solomon, he's giving us an experience that can be written down so one day we have the Word of God so that we can study it and grow from it. Can I get an amen? But for you and I, it's real life sometimes. We keep looking for satisfaction. We keep looking for, oh, no, 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 I'll be satisfied in here. Oh, man, if I got a better job a bigger job, a more pain job, whatever it might be. If I got this, if I got that, he's like, no, 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 let's, let's, let, we got to go back to the basics. We got to go back to the basics. You see, Solomon, he never forgot that it was an experience. He never forgot that. Now, if you're sitting out there today and you go, experiment, eh? Well, here's why Ecclesi Ecclesiastes was already written down. You go, what do you mean? Because there's no part two. You go, what do you mean? You're not part two. Does that make sense? You go, what do you mean? Solomon says, man, I tried it on you. go, no, nah, I think I could do better. Ecclesiastes part two, watch this. I'm going to go out and I'm going to have, really? Really? No, 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 no. If you experiment because you're going, I want to see if there's anything else out there, this is why Ecclesiastes exists. For us to do something, and then it'd be called sin. It'd be called sin. Look at verse 10. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. So think about what Solomon's saying. Now, I know, I know us, we like to watch, we like to watch um, the Fixer Uppers. And what's that channel? The Home and Garden, right? It's H HG TV, is that what it is? Yeah, we like to watch that. But here's what we like to watch. We like to watch the fixer-uppers because they turn out beautiful and then it makes us covet what they have. Oh, I wish my house looked like that. 
You know what? And then the next episode comes. And man, I wish my floors looked like that. But but then it comes out, and then and then we watch other ones. Like and 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 what they come out is like the lottery. Would you remember the million dollar lottery winners that that go out and they take you to three houses? Or I I sit there and 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 it's coveting. It's coveting. I'm going, boy, that's a where is that vacation? How did you get two vacation homes? Well, sir, you know what? You need to pick one of three homes, and you're sitting there going. Choose number one. You know, we're just trying to encourage them. And it's $900,000. And we're like, whoa. Come on, be honest. That's what we do in our heart. Why? Because we are led to believe through this television that there's satisfaction in having a home here and having a home by the beach. Now, I'm not saying that there's not pleasure in doing that. The key word is, satisfaction satisfaction and so and so we go there now there's another thing too there's another thing and, and i don't know was i don't know was it tonight guys about the lottery was it tonight and i mean the texas lottery like 1.2 billion or something and everybody gets all excited see you don't know you guys are so great you guys are so awesome you're not even worried about the lottery you're like i'm not going to win it anyway but anyways um um i think i have the winning number in my pocket no i don't uh, but let's even scale it down. Have you ever gone to a store, any store, and thought, I wish I had the money just to be like, I'll take, I'll take that, I'll take that. You and I, we're a little bit different, aren't we? We go to the store, we look at the price, $49.99 on sale. Come on, do I really need it? Well, these tennis shoes have holes in them, I don't know. Come on, moms, nine times out of ten, you put that back. But Solomon goes, whatever I looked at, I, I, could you imagine? Could you imagine going to the store and just going, yes, 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 take those, yep, eight, nine, size ten, whatever. Oh, yeah, give me four of those. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and you go up to the register, and it's like $20,000. You're like, Psh, not a problem. Put it in the car. We all want that at some level because we don't have the right perspective on who God is. But reality sets in and we go, you know what? At the end of the day, that's all going to burn. What matters is your heart and your relationships and those that you're trying to build When a husband and wife has been married for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and one of them passes, the wife couldn't care less about the stuff. To her, it's just stuff. And she just misses him. Even though, Raina, he bugged her all the days of his life. She just misses him, and vice versa. So stuff is good to have, but it's not the essence of the gospel. It's building that relationship. It's building that relationship. Whatever my eyes desired, I didn't keep from him. What, hey, I mean, and I don't know if that included people too. Hey, I want her. Yes, sir. He was the king, right? 
Man, what Solomon said just blows my mind because he says, whatever I desired, I did. And it was fun. It was fun. There was, ple- listen, ooh, this is, this is, this will get you. There is pleasure in parties. There is pleasure in building things. There's pleasure in my wives and servants. But this makes me, we, we, need, to, we need to chat for just a moment. And you go, why? Well, we need to pay, pay close attention. You see, if we, we have been taught that if it's pleasurable, something's pleasurable, God must not be happy with it. That's what we're taught. You know, it's it's really it's a real it's a it's a real shame that we bring up our kids and we and we 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 bring up our daughters and we don't teach them the word of God and about sex and about pleasure and about and and we tell them no 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 it's awful and then they they get married and they don't that's not God God says hey listen it was pleasurable and so we've been taught a lot of things that are pleasurable is just well God must not I mean. But what we need to understand is pleasure was his idea in the first place. Those things are fun and pleasurable, and people have a blast. I don't know what happened. I do know that the shift occurred when all of a sudden we started saying God's this cosmic killjoy, and there is no, there's no, one, no pleasure under the sun that he didn't create or ordain. Now, the problem is, is that we've taken those things that God made pleasurable and we've perverted them by sin. We've perverted them by sin. There's not, I mean, I mean, I want you to think about this for just a moment, okay? Think about this. God could have made us without taste buds. When we go out and we, and, 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 and listen, don't feel bad if you go out and you go, man, I want, I want a good steak. I want a good steak. And if you're a vegetarian in here, um, see me after church. We'll have counseling. But let's say you have, I mean, think about it. When you eat that steak, when you eat that, it's good. Right? Come on. Because God made, God made it pleasurable. It's when we take it and make sin and, and start to worship the creature rather than the creator. You see, when we have when we have steak and we have just good food and we have great partners and we have and we, and, and, and we have wonderful fellowship, you know what we do? We thank God for this. We don't worship this. But see, God, it was God's idea for pleasure. He loves us so much. He's like, listen, I'm going to give you taste buds. Okay. Now, listen, it tripped us out when when COVID hit and some of us lost our taste. It tripped us out when we couldn't smell anything. But when we lost our taste, I mean, think about that. That was brutal. You're like, I'm just eating. You just, you know, that's how we were. We, well, how do, can you taste? No, I can't taste. And you guys know it was weird, wasn't it? It was weird, but you still ate. But God says, no, no, no. Here's what I did. I'm going to create, oh, I'm going to create Pleasure. And here's what I would hope, that you wouldn't distort it by sin. Okay, can I, can, I, can I draw your attention back real quick to pornography? The, one of the biggest dangers of pornography is when men watch this, the woman on the screen is an actor. 
She's just acting. But you've taken that image into the marriage bed, and now you want your wife to fulfill something that you've seen by an actor. And there's a danger in that. Because it robs of the beautiful intimacy and pleasure of what God created. And so, and so when the Lord says, hey, you know, and, 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 and I mean, and, and think about all of this in, in a roundabout, when the Lord says, hey, hey, listen, don't, don't look at that stuff. Well, I'm under grace. I'm under grace. I can, I can see it. God will forgive me. But it's, but it's ruining your marriage. It's ruining it because you're expecting your wife or your future wife or your future husband to, to something that's not reality. See, God made, he made pleasure. He made pleasure, he made pleasure. We've perverted it. Okay. What did Solomon find out? What did Solomon find out was the person who builds her here life only seeking pleasure, he says, you know what I found out? If that's you, you're bound to be disappointed in the end. You go, why? You go, why? For one thing, pleasure-seeking usually becomes a selfish endeavor. And listen, selfishness destroys true joy. Selfish pleasures for a season only bring a counterfeit joy. What have we learned? Well, we've learned that when pleasure alone is the center of life, the result will ultimately be disappointment and emptiness. You go, Ben, how do we know? Last verse, look at verse 11. He says, Then I looked at all the works that my hands had done, and on the labor of which I toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Solomon found delight in all his labor. But what he said right here was, Afterwards, when I considered all my works, it was meaningless. The journey was a pleasure, but the destination brought pain. Now, with all being taught, we need to chat for just a bit. Because I want to show you something that will bring it closer to home. According to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says this, God put eternity in our hearts. Ecclesiastes 3.11, God put eternity in our hearts. What the text means when he says that God has placed eternity in our hearts is that at some level, church, listen to this, the deepest part of our souls, our souls remember what life was like before the fall at some deep level. So our soul, the soul, has some really, at some really deep level, has, um, has had a groove cut into it where it remembers what life was like before sin entered the world. Ecclesiastes 3.11, God put eternity in our hearts. And we also remember 
at some deep level, I think, that at one time we were full, and at one time we were happy, and at one time there was nothing weighing us down. And the soul is groaning, according to Scripture, to get back there. The problem is, and I want you to grasp this, guys, is the groove that Solomon is talking about is, is a, it's a groove shaped like eternity. You with me? And all we have on earth is to fill it with the temporary. So what do we do? We cram it with temporary fleeting joys and it never gets filled. And so we think, man, if it gets bigger, then we could make it bigger. The temporary pleasures will last a little bit longer or if we continue to get just a little bit larger, then we can fill that chasm. But listen, here's what it says. When eternity is filled only by God, that's when it's only satisfied. Not by anything else. Not by anything else. Here's why I'm afraid for you. Solomon finally goes to the end of, end of his goals and he says, it was meaningless. And you and I don't possess the resources to ever get there. And so my fear for you and me is that we're going to spend the rest of our life trying to chase the wind. Chasing what you already possess. You're chasing what is what you've already possessed that brings no lasting happiness. And most people will only die on the treadmill of life. Think about the woman at the well for just a minute. John chapter 4. Do you remember the woman at the well? She kept looking. She kept looking for love in all the wrong places. She was married, you know, divorced, married, divorced, married, divorced. Then she decided married is not for me. I'm just going to live with the dude. But she kept trying to satisfy that only that something that only God could satisfy. You guys with me? This is why my Jesus, my Jesus said, Men, we've got to go to Samaria. Well, no, Lord, we don't go to Samaria. No, they hate us. We're at rivals with them. This is not good. No, but boys, boys, listen to me. We're going to Samaria, and we're going to go that way. Okay, Lord, if you say so. Because only Jesus can satisfy what this woman was looking for. And when he came to her, she got saved. The story doesn't tell us, Rosa, but I wonder if she went home and said, I am so sorry, but we can't live together anymore. We can get married. I don't know if I love you, whatever it might be. Story doesn't tell us. But I know that the, she's changed. I know that what she was looking for is only found in Christ. And so as we close our Bible study tonight, as we close our Bible studies, what is Solomon trying to teach us, church? We try to pursue everything that we think will bring us satisfaction. And Jesus is the only thing that will. And when you give your heart and your life and you're fully committed to Him, then you can enjoy the rest. 
because you're not looking for it to bring satisfaction. You're not looking for it to do something it wasn't designed to do. You go, it's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the truth in your word. Lord, what, a, what an incredible Bible study, God, to think that Solomon did all of that To think that Solomon did all of that so that we could learn and grow. That's incredible, Lord. We thank you, we thank you, we love you, Jesus. Father, I pray that, Lord, through the teaching of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit, that, Lord, many of us in this room would make a commitment, Lord, to just commit to you. To say, Lord, I'm going to look at everything you give me as a gift. I'm going to look at everything that, that, that in people's life is a gift. I, I just want to be satisfied in you. And I would like people, Lord, to look at me and think I'm crazy because I'm smiling all the time. Because I don't have to strive to be anything or anybody else. I'm exactly who you made me, 100%. I'm yours. With every eye closed and every head bowed, we started our Bible study with the question, are you satisfied in life? And maybe you're here tonight, maybe you're watching online, or maybe you're listening on the radio right now and you're thinking, you know what, Ben, I'm not. Not, I've missed something somewhere. I'm trying to, I'm trying to to fill that 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 chasm with 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 everything except Jesus. And then you were talking about that, and I go, "Wow, I don't have Jesus. I need Jesus." If that's you tonight. I'm not going to have you raise your hand or I'm not going to have you stand up. Here's what I'm just going to ask you to do. Would you just pray a really simple prayer? If you feel far from God, would you just cry out to Him right now and say, God, I'm lost and I need you. I, I need you, Lord. Only you can fill this void. Would you come into my heart and fill that void? I'm going to follow you for all my days. And just say, in Jesus' name, pray that prayer with all your heart and watch what God will do. And when you feel the peace and the satisfaction of God, then just tell somebody, hey, I gave my life to Jesus. Just tell somebody. Shall we stand with one last song? We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.